amen and amen. Well, welcome to week three of how to live through a bad day. And before you comment, I want to let you know we are practicing proper social distancing here at Action Church. All of the people you see around me, they are closer than six feet, but they are also married like legally married, and we are social distancing, but I just need to, I need to set some husbands free out there. That does not mean for marriages. Come on, somebody. Like, we should not be apart more than ever. We're going to be together. There's going to be so many babies named quarantine in nine months. Come on, somebody. That is funny. Social distancing does not mean sexual distancing, and everybody said amen. We do have a kids program that your kids should be watching right now. I apologize for that reference. Good luck discussing that. This afternoon, week three of how to live through a bad day. And I want to read the scripture to you today as we get started. Jesus from the cross saying this. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. See, Jesus was compassionately thinking of others even while hanging on the cross. And I think there's a, a case to be made that Jesus' most powerful statements, what he modeled, his best sermons were preached on his worst day on the cross. And Jesus, he's showing us through this scripture and the previous two weeks how to live through a bad day. Write this down if you're taking us. Jesus went through his worst day to help us overcome ours. And he looks out and he begins to model and preach in all three statements that we've studied in this series, you find Jesus focusing on other people. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we decided week one that we cannot have strength for today if we're holding on to what somebody did to us yesterday. We've got to focus on forgiving others. Then last week, we talked about serving others when Jesus said, Today, you will be with me in paradise that he is hanging on the cross between two thieves. And in that moment of pain, he looks around at who he can still help, who he can still serve. And that same quality of love is found here today in this third statement that we just read. Dear woman, here is your son. As he said to this disciple, here is your mother. Jesus not only was focusing on forgiving the crowd, those, were hurting, those that were hurting him, he was not only focusing on serving others from a distance, strangers, but now we see him taking care of those closest to him. In his worst moment where he should have been focusing on them, where they should have been nurturing him and thinking about him, and they were, he was still loving and serving those closest to us. And I thought about this week as, as a pastor who's constantly interacting with people. Well, three weeks ago, constantly interacting. Now, properly interacting with people. I have learned that it's the best of times and the worst of times that show us who people really are. Yeah. Like, just think about it. On your worst day, it reveals your stress and character. And then on your best day, when everything goes right, when you have all that you prayed for and all that you asked for, who gets the credit? Who stays close? Who do you celebrate with? The best and the worst moments, the highs and the lows, really expose who we are. So here's the lesson. If, if we're compassionate like Jesus generous and focused on others, those qualities will shine through in even this difficult season. And get this, you'll never be more like Jesus than when on your worst day, you're still found focusing on how you can help other people. Today, specifically those closest to you. 
So what does Jesus go through? What, is, what does this bad day look like? We've been talking about this over the first couple of weeks, but the setting of Jesus on the cross is Golgotha. And it's called the Place of the Skull. I did some study this week. I want to read you some of my findings. Golgotha was at the base of a 60-foot vertical cliff of dark mud and clay. On the face of that cliff were caves that resembled eye sockets and a mouth so that when a person viewed the cliff from a distance, it looked like a skull. And therefore, it was called Golgotha in the Aramaic. And I've always wondered, and I found this week, that the Aramaic, what's the difference between Aramaic and Hebrew? Well, Aramaic was like the, the street version of Hebrew. So it was like the, the, the urban dictionary of Hebrew. Don't go look any of that up right now. There's some, there's some things on there that you should not find. But it's the, it's the street language. It's the, it's the slang, if you will. And it's the same meaning, the place of the skull. So Golgotha not only was figuratively and artistically a, a place of death, but Jesus knew that he was practically walking to his death. Walking to Golgotha, carrying the weight of his cross, the weight of his purpose, heading to his death. And here's my question for you today. If you knew you were going to die, would you be focusing on anybody else? If I'm honest, I don't know if I would. I'm thinking, how did these people betray me? The ones that I healed, the ones that I saved, the ones that I fed. Where are all my disciples? Why, why can't I find the 12 guys that have been following me around? And, and I, I don't know, I may have thrown a little bit of a pity party. I may have got a little bit depressed, anxious, stressed. But no, he is here knowing he is going to die and he is still focusing on others. I want to draw attention to who was with him at Golgotha. Jesus had a lot of different emotions going on. Think about it. The ones who plotted to kill Jesus were there. The Roman soldiers who captured him were there. The Pharisees were there. Just some onlookers, some spectators had gathered. The two thieves that we talked about last week hanging there for, for their transgressions, for their sins, for their mistakes. Thankfully, Jesus did have some close family with him. We find in scripture that his mother was there, his aunt was there, and his cousin John were there. We know there were three Marys that were present at the foot of the cross, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and then Mary, the mother of Clopas. John 19.25 tells us that a fourth woman, the sister of Jesus' mother, was there as well. And her name was Salome, and her sons were John and James. I never knew this before, but, but John the Beloved, most scholars believe, would have been the, the son of Salome, Mary's sister. So, so John and James would have been first cousins of Jesus. So his family was there. So we wonder, why is John there and nobody else? Because he would have grown up with Jesus. He would have been not only a friend of Jesus, but blood related to Jesus. It's remarkable who finds themselves closest to Jesus at the cross. And that's probably something for you and I to think about and discuss. Like, who do we, who do we really want with us on our, on our worst day? In a world full of coworkers and acquaintances and influencers and, and connections and networking, like, who is really in your corner? On your worst day, who is there? And then, and we're, this is going to be a theme for the rest of the time, on your worst day, who's with you? And then on your worst day, take the best care of those closest to you. So often they get the worst. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Amazingly enough, the only disciple, we just stated this, that remained loyal to Jesus up until this very moment was John. And here's the lesson. In your most difficult seasons, you need family around you. And while those of you in this room, as our staff and leaders, and the, all of you who call Action Church home, may not be 
related, you got to get this. All of us may not be related by birth, but we are all related by blood. Like the blood of Jesus Christ. That if you have given your life to Jesus, you are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we are co-heirs with Jesus. We are adopted into his kingdom, adopted into his family. And so that's why the church is, is more important now than ever, because when we're going through our worst day, we're going through times of crisis, it's not time to isolate or separate. It's time to draw closer and to focus on those closest to us, both in our, uh, our immediate family, but also in the family of God. We see this in the story in the middle of his pain, he notices his mom, and he thinks about her future. When we go through pain, when I see, when we go through pain, we just want people to notice us. Like Jesus has is, is been tortured, and he's focusing on others. Have you ever seen somebody, like, stump their toe, like, at the beach, and they're just, or at the pool, and, and they want everybody to know, like, how much pain they're in. Come on, guys, the man cold is real. We know that, but, but we're like, I feel so sick, and, and I have to lay in bed, and oh, my gosh, don't touch me, and leave me alone, and get me some soup, and go to CVS, and we want, when we're in pain, we want everybody to know. Think about, think about sports. Like, you'll see a guy, he's running. All of a sudden, he looks like he got shot. I mean, he is down like a sniper has shot him in the back. He's rolling around. Then all of a sudden, he's like, whoop, I'm back, and I'm back in the game. Why? Because pain makes us selfish, and we want everybody, hey, have you heard? Have you heard what happened to me? And we want everybody to focus on us. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 on your worst day, focus on others. Here's the overarching principle for our time together today. When you go through your bad day, make sure you take, their, take care of those near you. When you go through your bad day, make sure you take care of those who are near you. And practically speaking, I want to let you know that we're doing that at Action Church. This week, we're starting kind of what we're calling the Action Church Care Network. And you're going to be hearing more about this. If you call Action Church home, and that's defined if you're currently in a small group, you currently give or serve at Action Church. Or if today you fill out an online digital connection card, we're going to put you in a network and we're going to begin calling every single week and ask you some real basic questions to make sure that in our worst days as a, as a country, as a world, and as a church, and full of fear in some settings, that we are going to draw close and we're going to take care of those closest to us. We're not just feeding hundreds of thousands of people. We're not just caring for the lost, which is a priority. At Action Church, remember, we exist to reach and connect. So we're reaching, but we're really going to drill down on connecting and taking care of our church family. We are family. One big, crazy, dysfunctional family, but I need you to know that on our worst day, we are not getting selfish. We are not just talking about last week of focusing on others who we don't know. We are going to take care of those closest to us, and so we would love to do that. If you are not one of those, currently in a small group, team, or giving, but you say, I, I want this to be my family. Fill out that digital connection card, and we would love to begin to take care of you. Why? Why is this so important? Why is this so important? This message is important because if you're like me, when I go through something tough, I take it out on those closest to me. A guy can walk in a church foyer. How are you doing? Great. Bless the Lord, so good. You go to a barista, you go to Chick-fil-A, you're at the sports field, you're smiling, you're good. Mom and dad are good, kids are good. But when you get home, why is it that those that we love the most often get the worst side of us? 
It's because it feels safe. I, you're not going to go anywhere, so I'm going to show you the real me. And it's selfish. Why do we save our worst for those that we love the most? Because when we experience bad days, we're looking for somebody to take it out on. We, we can't deal with this pain. That's why that verse we prayed earlier is so important. When we're worried, when we're stressed, take it to God. Don't take it out on other people. Yeah. Like, be frustrated. He can handle it. In fact, he already knows you're struggling with it. So what if our venting, what if our, our, our yelling, what if our, our complaining was not to our husband or our wife, our kids? What if it was to God? He already knows that you're struggling with it. Give it to him and exchange that worry for peace. We cannot survive or overcome our worst days if we continue to treat those closest to us poorly. We have to transfer that pain in our relationship with God, let him carry it, not transfer that pain to other people. So important. So how are we going to do it? i got four things for you today. Four things for us to be aware of those closest to us on our bad days. Here's the first one. Write this down. Identify the real problem. we got to identify the real problem. We know we have a real end. I mean, we've read this the past couple of weeks. For we are fighting not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. But I want to get practical for a minute. That, that sounds very spiritual, and it is, it is real and it is true. But I want to drill down to one thing, one, one main problem I see in our society in our bad days. And I think the enemy uses our perspective to keep us in prison. Like I think one of the main problems is our perspective. We think that we're the only one going through it. We think that nobody understands. We think that our spouse or our friend or our family member or the government or our situation is the enemy. How am I ever going to get through this homeschooling my kids? Like, we, you birthed those kids. Like, those are your kids. Like, like, I have to hang out with these kids. I get it. I'm complaining too. But, like, those are my kids. Like, how am I going to get through this quarantine? I am stuck at home. Heard this week that you're not stuck at home. You're safe at home. Like, yeah. like you're, not, you're not in prison. Like, it's not, like, just get a little perspective shift. Like, grocery stores are still open. Somebody else is still cooking for you a lot of the time. Like, you can go pick it up in a bag and some styrofoam. Like, we are, we, it's not that big. So, the perspective has you in prison. Pastor Tyler shared this with me this week as we were talking about this message. It says, it's a perspective shift for being stuck at home. The real problem. See, it's hard, but the question really is, how hard is it? Because I'm reminded of Anne Frank. She was a Jewish teenager hiding from the Nazis with her family inside a 450-square-foot home space in silence. She did this for 791 days until a neighbor told the Nazis and they were discovered. Now ask yourself this question. How hard is my quarantine? Not very. It's a perspective change. Identify the real problem. The real problem is not those closest to you. So we have a real enemy. And a lot of times the enemy is using our own perspective. Hey, get this. this is, I was praying through this this morning. We have to change our perspective from an earthly perspective to an eternal perspective. That we have to change, get this, we have to change our focus level not horizontal, but, but vertical. If we, change, if we change our focus level, then we can begin to see our faith level change. Mm -hmm. 
Change your focus, change your faith. I'm not going to focus on what I don't have, what I can't do, what's been taken from me. I'm going to focus on all that God has done for me, all that he's given me, and all that I have. And now my faith increases and my perspective changes. And now I can look around and say, I'm full of faith. What do you need? What do you need? How can I help? Jesus was not full of fear on the cross. He was full of faith because he was living in his purpose. And his purpose was still taking care of people. Don't let your pain keep you from helping people, especially those closest to you. Here's the second one. Avoid carrying your cares. Avoid carrying your cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. Like all of it. Like what if you just had more conversations with God in this season? We have more time. And he said, God, I, I give you all of it. All of my anxiety. All of my cares. Here's the deal. We either cast our cares, our anxiety, or we carry them. And bad days are designed by the enemy to overwhelm and press us down. But they are used by God to push us closer to him. Here's what I was thinking this week. Cast, catch this, cast your cares, carry your cross. You don't have room for both. Every single day, surrender yourself to Jesus, pick up your cross, and follow me. What is your cross? It is your purpose. It is your burden. It is your mission. You cannot carry your cares and your cross at the same time. You can't do both. You're either going to carry your selfishness, your pain, what happened to you, how you are feeling, and you are going to be obsessed with your cares, or you're going to be obsessed with the cross. Jesus modeled, I'm obsessed with this cross. It may be painful. It may be torture. It may be literally killing killing me, but I am not going to carry my cares. I'm going to carry this cross because the cross is what makes a difference. Avoid carrying your cares and start carrying your cross. God, how can you use me in this bad day? Who needs me in this bad day? Who needs you in this bad day? Avoid carrying your cares. Here's the third thing. Write this down. Don't let pain isolate you. Don't let pain isolate you. Proverbs 18 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Because we're alone in our thoughts and we're alone in our anxieties. Don't let pain remove you. Even in this painful situation, Jesus is putting people back together. He's connecting people. He's seeing the need. Like, catch this. Like, like his mother needed a male figure of authority in this society. She would have had no legal representation. Like, we, we know it would have been inappropriate for Jesus to have this conversation with Mary and his first cousin, John, if Joseph was still alive. Like, he would not be giving away his mother to another man if she was still married. So we, with, we can deduct that Joseph has passed away prematurely, and now Mary has no male covering. Therefore, she has no rights in society. So Jesus is saying, hey, I know I'm about to go away, but before I do, I've got to take care of some things. We also know that the spoken word would have been a living testament or a living will. So he is saying, you are now in charge of my mom. She is now covered legally in authority in John's house. That's why he says, take her home. She is now in your house, in your authority. So he wasn't isolating and he wasn't letting her isolate. He was modeling, I'm not just going to take care of me. I'm not just going to fulfill my purpose. I'm going to make sure you're cared for and that you have a place. We've got to come together in community. I know it's difficult. 
I know it's awkward to stare at somebody on FaceTime or Zoom or, or, or call somebody. I mean, I haven't, I haven't talked on the phone in years. Come on, somebody. Like, what is this ring? And who is this voice on the other side? Like, but there's a, a time where you come together. I was thinking about it this week. In a time where we're practicing social distancing, let's pursue a deeper spiritual and relational connection. Some distractions have been removed. We should come out of this season closer to God than ever before. Not isolated, not fearful, but full of faith. And we should come out here with real relationships. Like we can't, we can't just sit, I guess we could. We could just binge watch everything on Netflix, which by the way, is a good way to pass time. But we should, we should put some other stuff in there. Like have some real conversations. Don't isolate, but come together. What do people need? How can I serve? How can I care for you? How can I be better in my home and those closest to me? Here's the last one. Save the best for last, the most important. We've got to look to Jesus. We've got to look to Jesus. Hebrews 12 says we must keep our eyes on Jesus, who leads us and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of being nailed to a cross because he knew that later he would be glad that he did. That there's something like let's just take a break. What you're going through now, it's never fun to go through a bad day. Like, it's never fun to survive your bad day. Nobody ever in the overcoming thought this was a blast. He says later on, he would be glad that he did it. He would be glad that he pressed on. He would be glad that he persevered. And now, he is seated at the right side of God's throne. I was thinking about this idea of safety and, and pulling back. and Where were the other disciples? You know, the cross, the cross was not a safe place for Jesus to be. That's obvious. He's, he's dying for you and for me. He's on the verge of death. But you look at John and Mary, his mother, and the other Marys that were there, and Salome. You look at all those people that were there. It was not a safe place for them to be either. Like Jesus was having his worst day, but they followed him into the middle of a crisis. How did they get through it? looking to Jesus. Like they weren't worried about what happened to them because they saw their friend, they saw their cousin, they saw their son, they saw their savior right in the middle of their crisis. So it doesn't matter what you're going through as long as Jesus is there. Like they followed him into a crisis. I'm just here to tell you, Jesus' path for your life is not always gonna be roses and rainbows. Sometimes you're gonna be at a crossroads, at a crisis, in chaos. And Jesus doesn't promise easy. He just promises strength and comfort and peace. If we're going to get through our bad day and take care of those closest to us, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. You may be in the worst situation you've ever been in, but I can promise you if you've given your life to Jesus, he is right there with you. And there is no safer place to be than in the presence of God. And there is no better way to live through a bad day and to love through a bad day than looking to and following Jesus. But for some of us, we've drifted, we've strayed. For some of you, you don't have this relationship, so I want to give you that opportunity today, right now where you are, to trust Jesus so you can begin to overcome your bad days. Would you bow your heads with me right here? at home or wherever you're watching as well. Jesus, we've been talking about it for three weeks. He lived so that he could die for you, like a perfect life, so he could be a perfect substitute. 
He rose to a new life. His resurrection gives you and gives me victory. And that's the only way we're going to overcome our bad day. That's the only way we're going to be able to properly care for those closest to us. To have the proper perspective is to trust and to continually look to our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. What if you did that today? You may be asking, how do I do that, Pastor? How do I look to Jesus? How do I trust Jesus? Well, you, you've heard all that he's done for you, dying for you, being raised to a new life for you. Forgiveness, salvation, grace, mercy, strength, victory, all found in that relationship. What's, what's your job? It says this in the book of Romans, that if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, that everything can change in that moment, that when we surrender control, take our eyes off of self, off of our situation, and put them on Jesus and completely trust him with our whole life, that everything changes in that moment. What if you did that today? Right where you are, for the very first time, you said, I want to trust Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Or maybe for others of you, you're like me. I, I did the church thing for a while growing up. There's a sermon when I was 19 years old that called for a recommitment of my faith and my life. I, I was one foot in, one foot out. One foot of fear, one foot, one foot of faith. One foot of worry, one foot of peace. I'd never fully surrendered. What if you did that today? Like came back to a life-saving, eternity-changing relationship with Jesus. So come right where you are for the first time, or for the first time in a long time by recommitting you, your life. Would you, would you raise your hand and say, I need Jesus today. I want to start or recommit my life to him. I'm so proud of you. I know there are dozens of you across our community and across the world raising your hand right now, surrendering your life to Jesus. It's the best decision you can ever make. You can put your hand down. Why don't you pray this in your heart, or if you're comfortable, out loud right where you are. Say this, say, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge today that I'm a sinner, and I am saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart that you are the Lord. And I'm giving you that place today, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us in this room and across all of our communities. God, I pray this week you would continue to use us in a mighty way to reach and connect, that we're going to continue to serve others on our bad day. We're going to forgive those who hurt us. But this week, practically, maybe we're in quarantine, maybe we're at a stay-at-home order, but we are going to look to serve and take care of those closest to us. We're going to be aware of their concerns, their cares, and their needs. And we are going to allow you to use us to care for them, even on our tough days. We love you. We thank you so much for meeting us here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.